Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. God came to earth to be with us. We live in a world where there are people that, that's a hard fact, right? Jesus came, he was here. It's a fact. There are people that would like to minimize that truth would like to marginalize it. Well, he was here, but he was just a prophet. No, 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 he was born a prophet. He just did some miracles, because it's a fact. You can go back and study secular historians at that day, he was down here doing some stuff. And so, no, 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 that's God the Son came and dwelt among his people. He walked with them. God's Son came to earth as a human to live among us, facing temptation and suffering just like us. He performed miraculous signs and wonders and preached truth that revealed his father and incited the anger of the enemy. It actually happened. It's not just a story. The truth is essential to our faith. As Pastor Bill will explain in today's message, Jesus wasn't just a charismatic leader with helpful advice and proverbs. He was a physical demonstration of the grace of God who came to save mankind from sin. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers chapter 29 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. The priests had to go in on their behalf. They had to wait outside until it was all said and done. And, and then they, had, they were covered for until next year. For you and I, it's totally different. Jesus has already come. Blood has already been shed. He, lived, he ever lives to make intercession for us. Access has been granted to the throne of God 24-7. The veil has been torn. Nothing separating you or me from the Lord. And so when I realize there's some junk, I can go in my room. I can sit in my car. I can, wherever I'm at, I can just stop and come up for the Lord and confess and repent. And there's a difference. I always want to explain this because some people think repentance is confessing. And they're very different. Confessing is to speak the same thing. Confessing my sins is agreeing with God. God, I lied and it's wrong. And I'm, I'm admitting to you, you already know it, but your word says if I confess my sins, your faithfulness just forgive me. So I'm confessing that I lied to you, that you would forgive me and cleanse me of my sin. That is confession. What's the difference between confession and repentance? It's huge. Confession is I'm, I'm saying, I'm agreeing with God. I'm saying what I did was wrong and I'm telling on myself. Repentance is stopping doing it. Repentance is it's the, 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 the definition of repentance. It's a change of mind that leads to a change of behavior. It's not just you can't say repentance. Some people say, yeah, I repented. I repented of that. And what they really mean is I, I confess to God. I, 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 I told God, you know, or I asked God to forgive me. So I repented. No, nah, repentance is fledged out in no longer doing the thing. I can't repent of something that I'm still doing. I haven't repented yet. I just acknowledged it. And so. Uh, we want to confess because God forgives us and he wants that too. But we also want to repent. A favorite verse, another verse is Proverbs 28, 13. It says, he who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. And even in that, God says, if you confess it and stop it, I'll be merciful. He delights to have mercy on his kids. And we, we want mercy. Amen. We don't want judgment. We don't want spankings. We want mercy. So you need to confess and repent whenever it's needed. So for them, this is a time, um, again, this was more of a solemn feast. God told them what it was to be. Um, he said, this one's going to be solemn. It's going to be a holy convocation. You're going to afflict your souls and they're going to do business with the Lord. And for you and I, New Testament principle, um, we don't, you guys don't have to come to the church. You don't have to go to the priest. 
You don't have to go to the temple. Um, because of what Christ has accomplished for me and you, we, we should be clean all the time because how easy he made it. Like, what do you have to do to get right with God other than come before him, confess, and repent? Everybody here can be right with God all by yourself every day. Um, we, don't, we don't need, God is, re- he's removed the need. I don't need a, a man to enable me to get right with God. Jesus enables me to be made right with God. So moving on now, look at verses 12 through 16. This is the Feast of Tabernacles. It says, on the 15th day of the seventh month. So this is, so we had something on the first day of the seventh month. Then we had something on the 10th day of the seventh month. And now we have something on the 15th day of the seventh month. The seventh month was a busy, busy month for them. You shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work. And you shall keep a feast to the Lord for seven days. And so um, this feast is going to cover seven whole days. I'm going to I'm not we're not going to go through each of the seven days because there's only one thing different in the seven days. I'll explain that one thing and we're going to I'll summarize a chunk of the study tonight. So they're going to do this feast for seven days. Verse 13. You shall present a burnt offering. An offering made by fire as a sweet aroma to the Lord. Thirteen young bulls, two rams, fourteen lambs in their first year. They shall be without blemish. Their grain offering shall be a be a fine flour mixed with oil. Three-tenths of an ephah for each of the thirteen bulls. Two-tenths for each of the two rams. And one-tenth for each of the fourteen lambs. Also the kid of the goats as a sin offering Besides the regular burnt offerings, it's grain offerings and it's drink offerings. So here is God telling them, I want you to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. And as we're going to read and I'm going to summarize it. So if you look at verses 17 to 38, which we're not going to cover all of that, but I'm going to just explain each one of those verses. It's another day. So what we just read on the first day happens on the second day, the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day, the sixth day, the seventh day. If you'd like to read it. I'm encouraged you to go home and read it. There's only one distinction. Each day, there's one less bull that's offered. So on the first day, there are 13 young bulls. And in verse 17, on the, 12, on the second day, there's 12 young bulls. In verse 20, on the third day, there's 11 bulls. Verse 23, on the fourth day, there's 10 bulls. Verse 26, on the fifth day, there's nine bulls. And six, on the sixth day, there's eight bulls. And on the seventh day, there's seven bulls. I looked high and low for, you know, what that meant. You know, I, I did. And I don't want to just pull something out of the floor. And but I, I look for what is the significance of, you know, it, the, the number decreasing each day. Um, and I couldn't really find anything that stuck. I couldn't find anything that I felt comfortable saying, oh, this is it. But I will say this and we'll look at this. The, when you add up everything that had to be given over this period of time, it's a grip. It is a it is a ton of if we were to take it and, and put it in a monetary, you know, amount, they were they were given they were given loads and loads and loads to the Lord. And this is what's significant there. I'm looking at it and God is saying, because I know y'all have that to give because everything y'all have comes from me. Right. I'm looking at it from my perspective saying that's that's a lot. God, from his perspective, is saying I, I made sure you have it. And um. I forgot who I, I read, but uh, there, there was an illustration given, and it, it would kind of go like this: If if I told my sons, you know, my son, if my son came to me and said, "Dad, I want to, I want to buy you a gift for for Father's Day," 
um, could you give me 10 bucks? And I said, oh man, and I gave him 100 bucks. And he went out and he spent that 10 bucks on me and he brought back the gift he bought me with the 10 bucks as he had planned and he got to keep all the 90. That's essentially here, God is saying, look, I, I, I've, I've so blessed you guys, but I want you to bring this to me. Why does he do that? Is God, does, does God need all these animals? Does God need the sacrifices? He, he doesn't need anything. He's God. He's self-sufficient. He doesn't need anything from me or from you. But he tells them, I want you guys to do this, right? What does it do to them to give it? What is it what, how does it impact them to, to have to regularly come and say, hey, this is for sin, and, and this is for a fellowship offering, and this is for this? And with each thing that they're giving, they're having to take what God has blessed them with and what they've, they've worked to. But they received it from the Lord and there has to be an acknowledgement that, man, all this that we have, the fact that we have this much to give is, is that the Lord has blessed us and they're giving these things to the Lord according to what he wants. And so back to the Feast of Tabernacles, um, it's going to cover seven days. God required so many animals and such an expensive sacrifice because one, the Feast of Tabernacles it was a happy memorial of God's faithful to is- faithfulness to Israel during the Exodus. So this is the time where they were to remember what God had done, how he brought them out. And God said, I want you to celebrate it. I want you to take this and I want you to remember what I did and I want you to celebrate it. And so I wonder sometimes if Christians forget how to party. And I'll I'll explain what I mean. Some of y'all like, oh, no, I know how to party. Not like that. So when I say that, I mean this. If you think about it in the world, people know how to celebrate. Um, They just do it wrong. Uh, they add, there's some components to worldly celebration that, 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 that goes out of bounds. But here God was saying, hey, celebrate me. Celebrate what I did. Rejoice in it. Make a big deal about it. Have a feast over it. I mean, I, wanted to, I want this thing to go for seven days. I want this to be a, a big deal. And, and anybody here that's thrown a big party, I've done a couple of, I've, uh, I've done a couple of Christian, Christian quinceañeras where they want a pastor to come and the girl is, is it 15? 15, yeah, all right, I'm gonna make sure I get it right. So, but I, I'm, I've been at these events and I'm like, this is like a wedding. I mean, dresses and I mean, the money that I mean, this is like a wedding. This is a full on event that's been put on. Anybody that's put on something like that, and, and these families are celebrating their little girls and celebrating them coming to another phase of life and asking God's blessing on them for the future and everything else, but it's a big deal. And, and, and so, for those that celebrate that and have that in their culture, it's a big big thing you're putting on and you're celebrating something and so God says here hey this is this is me we're talking about we're celebrating my faithfulness my goodness it's it's for us we're to be celebrating God's faithfulness over our lives and what he's done and so God told them here over these seven days and each day they were doing massive celebration massive burnt offerings massive uh cooking of food and feasting and God said, I, I do not want it to be forgotten, forgotten how I brought you out. And so you're going to do this. You're going to do this on a regular. You're going to do this annually. You're going to have this seven day feast where you remember what I did for you and I. There, there are times of the year that we're able to kind of steal. Sometimes we're we're still in somewhat secular holidays and we're still in them as time to remember what the Lord did. Some, some Christians get real stuffy and like, you know, if you, if you take most of our Christian holidays, Easter, Christmas, those are the big ones. Some of these things have their origin in other stuff, you know, Easter and all the stuff with Easter. We celebrate the resurrection 
which is to be celebrated. But, you know, some of the stuff is born out of some really foul stuff, you know, and the whole Easter thing. Same thing with Christmas. The origin of that, we don't really know that we don't really have the set date of Christ's birth. It wasn't December 25th. But, you know, you, you got two options when those times of year come up. You can be the Christian over here that says, well, that's not the day that he was born. Therefore, I don't celebrate. And you become like a Jehovah's Witness. And look at how I'll just say this, that it'll be totally ineffective. No one will be one to the Lord because you abstained from Christmas. Um, you'll just be that person. You'll be that weird. You'll be that person sitting over there like like you're Scrooge. You know, there, there won't be anything. You, you're missing an opportunity. The one thing I know about this, I know about that time of year, even even bad people, even sinners. That's the time of year where people just a little more jovial, a little more, you know, you know, realize and just kind of slowing down and realize it, it's an opportunity if we'll take it. So, you know, we just take that holiday for the Lord. All right. We're going to we're going to go ahead and celebrate the fact that Jesus was born on that day and, and match that out to the fullest. You know, I don't do Easter bunny and Easter egg hunts and all that good stuff. But we're going to go ahead and celebrate the fact that Christ rose from the grave and is coming back again and, and take advantage of these times. Where we celebrate them. I even think that as believers, and I know some Christians do this, they'll, they'll remember their, their, their day or the period of time where they gave their lives to the Lord and celebrate that. You know, it's my spiritual birthday. And I want to re- remember that and I want to celebrate. I, I think we should celebrate things like that. Somebody come to the Lord, it should be celebrated. We should, we should be, you know, somebody you know that wasn't saved, now they get saved. It, do we celebrate it? Y'all go out and eat and, and make a, you know, we need to, we need to log this date and remember this time. Put, you know, somehow I want to memorialize this. We, we should remember the things that God has done. And so for them here, God is saying, look, what I did for you guys brought you out um, in the Exodus. Um, I want it to be remembered. And this is how I want it to be memorialized. I want you guys, I want it to be brought into remembrance on a regular basis. And so what, what, what do we take New Testament um, as we look back at the Feast of Tabernacles and they were brought out of Exodus and all these different things? One thing that we're reminded of New Testament principle is that we're reminded that Christ came to, to be among us and not we know that Jesus was going to be in us, but Jesus and him coming to earth. Jesus came to be among us. He came to tabernacle with men. And so they call this the Feast of tabernacles that they were going to be gathering together with the Lord in this way. Well, Jesus came to tabernacle with us in John 1, 1 and John 1, 14. It says John 1, 1 says in the beginning was a word. The word was with God and the word was God. Then we go to verse 14. It says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt is the same idea of tabernacle. God came to be among us, with us, around us, to have intimate fellowship. God left heaven and came to tabernacle down here with us. And so we celebrate that Christ did come, that he came to be with us, that God came to earth to be with us. We live in a world where there are people that that's a hard fact, right? Jesus came. He was here. It's a fact. There are people that would like to minimize that truth, would like to marginalize it. Well, he was here, but he was just a prophet. No, 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 no. He was born a prophet. He just did some miracles because it's a fact. You can go back and study secular historians at that day, he was down here doing some stuff. And so, no, 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 that's God the Son came and dwelt among his people. He walked with them and he spoke to them and he gave messages to them and he gave instructions to them. And it's been written and preserved for us to this very day that we could, we, could, we got I mean, you pick up your Bible, you guys, and we're, we're taking instructions straight from Jesus. 
I mean, Jesus Christ, God the Son, he was here. These are his words. Do we believe that? Right? We're reading. We're, as you're reading your Bible, do you believe you're reading in John and this red letter? Do you believe that, that Jesus said that? That's his words. This is the word of God speaking to us. We have this for us. He dwelt among us. Now, we have something even greater is that he dwells within us. Everyone that believes, he, he doesn't just, not just tabernacling around us, God lives in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so we remember that, uh, we celebrate that. They, they were to celebrate what God had done for them and how he brought them out. We have something even greater to celebrate. Um, they, had a, they had a picture of, they had, they, had, they had symbols of what was gonna happen for us in a greater way. Uh, we've been brought out in a much greater way. They were brought out of the world and into a relationship with the Lord where they were tabernacle with them. They had an actual tabernacle where they could get to God's presence and interact with the Lord. God said, I brought you guys out of the world that you could be in relationship with me. Are we taking advantage of that, guys? Are we taking advantage of the privilege that we have to tabernacle with the Lord, to be in fellowship with God, to, that you can pray and he'd be heard. You can read and hear back. Um, and I, I've been... I mean, personally, I mean, every day I, I look at the Bible readings, I'm, I'm looking for God to speak to me. And there are days where there's stuff that I got back here and stuff I'm praying about and God, wham, hit me with something. I'm like, I'm tucking that away. That's a word from the Lord. Other times it's just nuggets of truth that I'm just stowing away. Um, but every day there's something. This is a living book. Something There's something for me to walk away with today. You know, I'm looking at the Old Testament and that my nuggets from Samuel were that David was gracious and Joab was Joab was a gangster, you know. So I looked at David was, you know, you know, the people that mistreated him when he came back. And the guy said, man, we should get him. And David said, no, no, nobody's going to die today. I'm not in. I don't know. No death. No death today. I just see a, a broken, a little softer, gracious man. Um, and he put away his concubines. Um, it, it was some good things, you know, just see through some brokenness, through through some trials and some sin and some issues. Broken, humble, gracious. Come to my New Testament, Peter's being restored. And I wrote down in my Bible, I wrote down in my, in my notes from the day, feed my sheep. No, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. What a great calling. What an awesome, what an awesome thing that God would come back to him after he failed to recognize that he knew the Lord and say, you know what you get to do for me? You love me? You want to show me you love me? Feed my lambs, my little sheep. Tend my sheep, care for them, be involved in their life, take care of, feed my sheep. Feed them. That's you love me. Feed my sheep. For me, as a pastor, I walked away. I'm like God. Love them. Feed them. Tend them. Be with them. Feed them. Love them. Tend them. Word from the Lord. Every single day, there's something, guys. And while they were to celebrate God's tabernacling with them, now I believe you guys read it. God may have, you may it may be totally different stuff that caught your ear, caught your attention, that spoke to your heart. But every single day, right? God is with us and among us, and we're we have the opportunity to just to get him to get in it with him. And be in his word and be in prayer and just let the Lord just let, let him let him give you something to marinate in that concerns him. And so God is tabernacling among us too. even greater than being around him. He's in us and he's with us and we got access to him. Take advantage of it. I wonder if some of these Old Testament saints could have had what we have, how they would have just I mean, even I look at David. Right. David had the Holy Spirit upon him, but he didn't have the Holy Spirit in them and he their relationship with the Lord was different he prayed at one point God take not your Holy Spirit from me because I saw what happened to Saul when you took it from him please don't do that to me we don't live in that fear Holy Spirit it's, 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 it's God's down payment that we belong to him he's not taking it away 
We live in a different comfort. We don't, we're, not, we're not living with the promise of what Christ will do. We're living on the backside of what Christ has already done. And so we're just in a different position. So for us, I think it should be even more, right? There should be even more of a, a relationship, a love, a passion for, for God and for being around him and being with him. Now, verses um, 17 through 35, and I'm, I'm not going to read all that, but I, I summarized it already. It, it covers the second day, the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day, the sixth day, and the seventh day. Everything is exactly identical to the first day, except that every single day there was one less bull uh, being offered up. And I'm not going to just make up something. I, I, I really couldn't find uh, you know, why that, other than the bull was probably the biggest and the most expensive thing being offering offered maybe God was giving them a little I mean each day it was getting a little cheaper to do this thing I really I really and I, I don't even know if that's the case but um in reality it was cheaper each day as the bull was you know one less bull so anyway pick up at verse 35 with me because now we're after this feast we're on the 38th day and it says I'm sorry on the eighth day so it says on verse 35 on the eighth day you shall have a sacred assembly you shall do no customary work and so this one's different up until now, he kept saying a holy convocation. This one is a sacred assembly. And again, there'll be no customary work. You shall present a burnt offering, an offering made by fire as a sweet aroma to the Lord. And I would just point this out. One of the things that I read uh, was a re- re- reminded me the there's a sweet aroma when we offer up, you know, the meat of the bull. But they're offering up the entire bull. And it was the skin and the offal and all the yucky stuff that goes with it. And so the manners and customs reminded me that that's not a sweet smell. You know, it ain't like you, in my mind, I'm always thinking of the barbecue in my backyard on Memorial Day. Me and BJ walked outside and you took one breath in and you smell all the neighbors that had it going already. You know, this isn't that. This is the whole thing. All the nasty stuff too. It's not a good smell. But it was a sweet smell to the Lord because it was complete. The whole thing was coming up to me. The whole thing was being offered up. That was what was sweet to the Lord. And and I, again, I've always looked at it as, you know, just the smell of the meat. And you ever smell a great barbecue? And that's why it was a sweet aroma to the Lord. But it was sweet to the Lord because the whole thing was being offered up to him. And I would just remind us today that God wants all of you offered up to him. That's sweet to the Lord. All of you. Not some of you, not a part of you, but, but everything that we would just give it up all to the Lord. And so... Moving on now, um, so you shall present the bird offering, offering made by fire, sweet aroma to the Lord, one bull, one ram, seven lambs in their first year without blemish, and their grain offering and their drink offerings for the bull, for the ram, and for the lambs by their number according to their ordinance. Also, one goat as a sin offering, besides the regular burnt offerings, his grain offerings, and his drink offerings. These you shall present to the Lord at your appointed feast. Besides your vowed offerings and your freewill offerings as your burnt offerings and your grain offerings and your drink offerings and your peace offerings. And so here God says, now these all these things you're going to do. But in addition, there were some other offerings. There were the offerings that were vowed. Those are offerings that someone said, God, I, I, I promise I'm going to give this to you. Whatever that might be, something you vowed to the Lord. God says, keep your vows. Um, and then your free will offerings. These were offerings that weren't commanded. God wasn't saying you had to do it. This was something that of your own free will, you just brought and said, Lord, I want to just give this to you. Um, and so there was room for, in addition to all this, and someone might read this and think, after all this, 
<laughs> who who has who has a heart to bring a free will offering after all of this that's required? Who's making vows in addition to this? Well, the, the people were. There were people that were vowing even beyond what was required. You've been listening to another edition of A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Thanks for tuning in. The book of Numbers, well, it has a lot of numbers, but there's much more in this book than that. During their long, drawn-out journey, the Israelites' faith in God is tested. In return, these wayward people test God's patience towards them. But God remains faithful and true in looking out for His chosen people. When you think about it, it's no different today. People disobey and test God's patience, while they also endure hardships and challenges that they wouldn't have desired. But in all, God remains faithful through and through. If you missed any part of this series in the book of Numbers, you can hear these messages by going to CalvaryInglewood.org. A Transforming Word is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're ever in the Inglewood area, we'd like to meet you. Our service times are on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you're unable to visit in person, we stream our services online. For more information, such as directions and links to media pages, just visit CalvaryInglewood.org. Again, that website is CalvaryInglewood.org. Thanks for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of Numbers, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. You might be surprised by how things in this book might apply to the very things you're working through in your own life. So be sure to join us again to hear and be challenged by a transforming word.